Accessibility Accelerator, the podcast featuring global influencers in accessibility, inclusion, and universal design. Here's your host, Jamie Lassner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Accessibility Accelerator, the podcast. Uh, We have been on a bit of a hiatus uh, and are thrilled to have Robin Tim Weiss, Director of International Affairs at the Zero Project. Uh, First of all, thank you. where tell us a little about yourself where you're sitting right now and um about you personally where you grew up and where you got to where you are now uh thank you jimmy first of all for having me and also pleasure to be with your listeners uh, so as you mentioned my name is romton vice i'm the director of international affairs at the zero project i'm calling in currently from my kitchen and it's one of those home office days today so uh right next to to the oven where uh, other culinary magic happens but uh, in terms of my path and journey what what brought me here um i mean there's a lot to unravel unpack um i am multi-ethnic have various backgrounds uh for the sake of uh this podcast let's let's say i'm european so i was born in the netherlands uh grew up uh, in austria and have uh, also other ethnic backgrounds but um what always drew me i think to this work without knowing it at the time was i think uh, this idea to see other people be happy and succeed uh so to find pathways and to find ways in which i can work in fields organizations and industries which generally support um this idea and philosophy and also theory of uh, utilitarianism I very much buy into. And in the most uh, kind of simple terms, what that theory posits is that do the greatest amount of good for the greatest number of people. And it might seem you know, perhaps cheesy, it might seem common sense or quite straightforward. But if you start looking around, there are actually not that many people who do that or not the majority of people who do that. And I think it especially applies to the disability inclusion world. So uh, I think this belief, which I share, brought me to the Zero Project. And I think it's one I also share, not only with the team, but also with our founder. So I can uh, be a witness to the fact that you are certainly a leader. Um, I personally uh, enjoy spending time with you, um, learning so much from the Zero Project. Uh, and of course, it's, it's our side joke, but you always quote the greatest music artists when you speak, uh, certainly when you spoke at the U.S. <laughs> Embassy. So I truly enjoy that. Now, looking at your bio, you have a background in science, diplomacy, and cybersecurity. I'm not going to ask why, but I'm going to ask how that helps in what you're doing now. I think it helps um, because it leads me to always ask the question, Um, who can benefit and who can profit from this? What are the nexuses? What are the connection points between what someone is doing in Bangladesh and how a person in Belgium can benefit from that? And it really goes back to what we do at the Zero Project, which is find and share models um, that remove barriers for persons with disabilities. But we want to not do that in in a silo. We don't want to say that in this country and region, this is working well, but we want to understand by elevating and giving a platform to those innovations, how can other people benefit from it? And also to go against, let's say, the generally held belief that innovation is something which is Eurocentric, which is North America centric, and to highlight, especially when it comes to persons with disabilities, that 
fantastic things are happening on the African continent, fantastic things are happening on the South, Southeast Asian continent, and that people all around the world can benefit from that. And in that sense, for me, science diplomacy was always similar. You know, there's a lot of great research being done. And how can other people benefit from this? And also, and I think this is another interlinkage, science diplomacy, even though there's a world diplomacy within it, and of course, politics when it comes to research, it strives to be somewhat apolitical. It strives to ask the question that if someone is from a country where perhaps there are no political relations or very few political relations, how can that person still work together with someone um, from another country? How can someone in Iran work with someone in the United States when it comes to uh, bettering uh, human mankind? You know, basic research, trying to ask the question, um, how can people benefit from this? And I think the same applies to um, disability inclusion work, and also interestingly, something we, which we saw at our own conference is that if you take, say, the Abraham Accords, so the political approachment of Israel with the, with the MENA region, um, a lot of that preceded uh, work in the disability inclusion field. Our organizations, some of which you know uh, yourself quite personally, um, Jamie, you know, started working with um, disability organizations in the United Arab Emirates. So it, this idea of let's come together for the betterment of all, specifically persons with disabilities, is I think what definitely connects uh, science diplomacy and disability inclusion. The, the hidden here is our relationships uh, with countries that um, we, do, we may not have diplomatic relations with. Um, and I think others can say the same happens at a little conference in Vienna uh, run by, um, I think it's an organization, you know, called Zero Project. Um, it, it you know, I, <laughs> I've, uh, I've heard, I've seen, I've witnessed, um, and I've been part of watching magic happen. Um, at this past Zero Project, I took uh, the liberty of going into your new Young Ambassadors Club. And I was sitting there with people from all walks of life all over the world, um, countries that the United States does not have diplomatic relations, but somehow we speak the same language. So uh, I, I want to just step back a second, uh, if you can, and give us, uh, let's say, not a one minute, but a couple of minute uh, elevator speech on what Zero Project is. It's a remarkable organization, and it's um positive tentacles are all over the world no uh, th thank you for that that metaphor um and i i can i can sign off on those positive tentacles because um i think what makes us distinctive or you know if you were to use a business term what our usp is is that uh, we work across all disabilities and across all continents and we cast a wide net and we say regardless if you're for profit non-profit regardless of the industry you work in uh, you have a role to play within the disability innovation ecosystem. You can be a multinational corporation such as Google, and I know you've had Christopher Patno on your, your show, um, but you can also be an uh, NGO in the global south, say in Somalia with two employees. And you have each of you have a role to play, and we want to hear about the projects, programs, or policies which you have developed. So we are open and want to democratize that access to disability inclusion 
and the projects which are have proven impact and innovation in the world. Um, so through a peer review process and a research process where we go at each year with an annual theme, have a call for nominations, um, bring in those nominations, have them peer reviewed, we ultimately end up with 75 plus minus awardees per year. And it's these awardees which we bring into our publications, but even more importantly into our database, which removes also the social cloud you as an individual need to have. So if you, Jamie, and if, if we never have met, you could have the same access to the relationships and the information I have at the Zero Project because you would have access to the internet. That's the only barrier in that sense. And once you have the access to the internet, you have the access to all of our awardees since 2013. So it's on 880 plus from 120 countries, which you can access and say, okay, if I'm looking for innovation uh, for the blind in Sub-Saharan Africa, here are the, say, 16, 17, 18 projects which apply to those filter criteria which you have in mind. So really enabling access for everyone and removing those barriers, be it, well, you need to know somebody or you need to have access to a subscription to some database or you need to buy market research, but really give everyone the opportunity to understand um, where disability innovation is currently happening and has happened in the world. That is the Zero Project in a nutshell. Um, if you were to pick two or three items that are uh, in your way, for lack of any other word, um, what are those things to gain that goal of zero, uh, uh, of the zero project, of zero barriers? I mean, it's a million dollar question and it's also a very loaded question because, you know, when we say zero barriers in a world with zero barriers, that's the entirety of it. That's from conception to, to end of life, be it education, be it employment, be it arts and culture, entertainment, everything which you know, encapsulates life. So it's, I think, hard to answer without leaving out key aspects of quote unquote daily life, quote unquote society. Um, but I think, and um, given our topic this year also of inclusive education, much starts with, you know, the simple fact are all children, children with disabilities in the same classroom, enjoying the same education. The answer to that question in a large majority of the world is a strong no. So it's the segregation of minds, of souls, which has ripple effects. It reinforces the stigma we talk about when you don't see another, when you don't hear another, it is hard to emphasize, emphasize with another. You know, you're talking about uh, leaders in the accessibility space. Um, I think a lot of that starts and ends if you're not able to listen. And often, you know, it's not even the capacity of can I listen or not? You're not even in the same room, not even part of the same conversation. So if children are growing up in a system in which they are not experiencing each other, listening to each other and emphasizing with each other, I think it becomes harder to retroactively do that later. Retroactively go and say, okay, why are there no students with disabilities in this university? Often, quite frankly, it's not because of a lack of interest or motivation on the university's part. It's more of a structural barrier which exists in the formal education which precedes university, which is creating that, you know, if you want to call it a pipeline problem, where not enough uh, students are equipped and enabled to even fathom um, a career or a university career. 
So I think university, uh, pardon, education is, is one of the key aspects where those barriers continues to persist. And that informs also stigma. And I think in general, society's understanding of disability. Um, you know, Jonathan Kaufman, uh, who you've also had on your show, I think does a lot of great writing in Forbes, which reinforces the same point that disability is normal. It's intersectional, it, you know, it affects all of us. And newsflash, if you like it or not, you're gonna acquire a disability in your lifetime. So the question is, do you wanna acquire that disability in a society which is more resilient and more inclusive or less thereof? Um, and I think, you know, you and I know the answer and hopefully more and more people uh, will come to see the answer as well, which is no, you know, I wanna acquire disability in a society which is resilient and inclusive. So I think the mindset, um, problem or mindset challenges the second aspect of that and uh, I think the third aspect of that you know ties in again with education and ties in with mindset is employment um, and you know employment comes in many ways and I think what's especially an interesting field which more and more work is being done is uh, entrepreneurs with disabilities you know we like to talk about startups about scaling about Silicon Valley it's exciting a lot of great ideas are coming out but we're not viewing this as a field in which we want to actively encourage um, persons with disabilities to go into. And if you think about it, you know, what makes an entrepreneur a good entrepreneur? Then, you know, depending on who you ask, you'll get different answers. But I think most people would sign off on, on the following. A good entrepreneur is someone who's adaptive, who's versatile, who can work around challenges, who um, take doesn't take no for an answer. And I think that fits one-to-one -one with the lived experience of persons with disabilities. They face barriers, you know, it's not a linear line from A to B. On a daily basis, depending on your disability, there are very many creative workarounds you have to take in order to get on the subway, in order to get uh, the, the nutrition you need, in order to get the visibility, the agency and the space you need. So you're const constantly to use, you know, an entrepreneurship term again, you're hustling. And I think there's so many uh, similarities and you're seeing this with, with entrepreneurs with disabilities who are showcasing that grit, that tenacity and applying that in a business setting and are being extremely successful. So, um, you know, hats off to them and more of that. And therefore, you know, to recap education mindset and employment would be, again, the three you asked for, but it's much more beyond those three. I would agree with you. Uh... Robin, uh, certainly many, many barriers, many, many uh, countries we're dealing with. But uh, with that said, you're a person that's been to many countries. So if I can touch upon your heart a little, um, in all the visits that you've made, is there one or two stories that you recall that said to you, you know what, I'm in the right place and I'm going to do something about this? I mean, I, I could be selfish and say it's it's the Zero Project Conference because it is a little microcosm of the world. We had uh, participants from over 80 countries this this February attend, and also, you know, maybe I'll I'll use this opportunity and be a bit selfish and uh, put out a call for any of your listeners who are interested to attend to reach out to uh, office at zeroproject.org. Uh, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you and. Stories and for you to also attend. So sorry, Jamie, that I had to make that plug because I think it fits uh, well with what you asked for. And although this <laughs> is a uh, a voice podcast, I have it here on my notes to make sure that I say that 
I can bear witness to uh, your Zero Project, uh, the warmth, the hospitality, and the fe the true feeling. I walked out of, out of that conference feeling as one, feeling that I belonged with all these people. I did not look at the clothes they wore, the religion they believed, the country they were coming from. We were all uh, those little itty bitty pieces of snowflakes joining together um, to create some sort of an avalanche. Um, I'll give you one example, and I think there are countless, but one which is, is fresh in my mind and um, which for me just highlights again, you know, what you were asking, you know, mention something where you know you're in the right place and this is the right work to do. Um, our team was uh, invited this last Sunday to attend the closing concert of the Vienna Music Week. So this is something which is organized by the Wiener Konzerthaus, one of the preeminent uh, cultural concert halls. So, um, you know, Carnegie Music Hall, the Kennedy Center, that type of level, if you want to use a US equivalent. So a really prestigious uh, international music concert hall, which said uh, some couple of years ago and has fundraised effectively to put this together, we want a week of music, of jamming, of people coming together of different ages, of different abilities. And we just want to have fun. We want to have persons from the age as low as five or six years to as high as 90 persons with and without disabilities, professional musicians, and those who have not even ever touched a musical instrument in their life to come together and to find the passion in music and to bring themselves in as they want to bring themselves in. And what this resulted, Jamie, is I can tell you it's 108 participants in five days, which at the end come together and produce just magic and something where you're in the concert room and you ask yourself, when was the last time I was at a concert and I truly saw someone enjoy themselves on stage, like this pure unbridled joy. I think it's something you don't see that much of. And it reminded me also kind of of a sports event. Yes, you can go and see, you know, someone play at Wimbledon, someone play in the NFL, but to see someone really be on a court and have unbridled joy and fun and to understand that there's no big technology behind this. There's no big, you know, amount of money or resources, but just really human beings giving each other time and agency. I think that's extremely powerful. And I think being at that concert and the Vina Conceptas also in the Music Summer Week is one of our awardees. And I think see, seeing that just reminded me again that this is the space which makes such encounters happen. And this is what we are advocating for and also promoting to say, you know, it, often it doesn't take much. It takes exactly that coming together and giving uh, space and agency to make something uh, truly momentous happen. In, in reading your bio, which I, which I will share as well, it seems that you are also uh, honed in on the future. Um, you, of the many hats you wear, and I can vouch for that one, you are running the uh, Zero Projects Ambassadors Circle. What is that? And is that part of that group that I had a chance to sit with, which were the uh, ambassadors that were high school age, it seemed like, or maybe above, slightly above, um, that you are teaching, enhancing their lives, and uh, 
having them join, I think I would assume as ambassadors. Thank you for, for, for mentioning that, Jamie, just as a clarification. One is a Zero Project ambassador circle, political ambassadors, and the other is a Zero Project youth delegation. Differentiation, but I'll, I'll, I'll say a bit more about both because both, again, um, have an important role to play. Perhaps more first on the Zero Project youth delegation. Um, you know, Jamie, you and I, you know, we're, we're not the youngest and uh, I think it is our, um, or it's contingent on us, I think, um, not only to lay the groundwork, but to ensure that there's the next generation which will follow into that and do something even better than what we are doing. So I think to be humble and to say, we will have some sort of mark, but we want to bring in um, those with lived experiences who are young, who have drive, who know where they want to go and to give them a stage and to, for them to be part of the narrative. So that is what happened with the Zero Project Youth Delegation. We're looking to build that out um, into next year. And at the same time, um, something which I think I've, I've mentioned to you, Jamie, and others, um, and I had actually a conversation also with um, Ambassador Luis Gallegos during this recent uh, Conference of State Parties in New York, is this idea that the, and talking about the future, the nations which will shape the geopolitical future of tomorrow, that these will most likely be nations which are truly embedding disability inclusion into their foreign policy and who use disability inclusion as their soft power to highlight that they are resilient. Again, similar adjectives I mentioned with, with entrepreneurs with disabilities, that they are resilient that they are adaptive, that they are forward-looking, they, that they have tenacity. That's something you as a nation, I think, want to be known for, similar to how there is this cultural image of the United States, Disneyland, Hollywood, Coca-Cola, which you know we roll our eyes at it, but at the same time, what are we going to watch in the movies? What are we you know, attracted to and by? Our cultural spaces, which have been created in the United States of America. And I think at the same time, um the nations which will succeed will be those who will be more inclusive and who will really underline disability inclusion and in order to make that happen what we launched was the zero project ambassadors circle is to say that for some topics and issues change came in incremental steps but then it changed very quickly and i think both gender and lgbtq rights are a good example of that that for for a very long time uh there was questioning why should we do this, um, stigma, um, and outright discrimination. And then these topics got elevated in diplomatic circles and more and more, you know, now it would be um, close to impossible to have an all-male panel without anyone, uh, you know, raising their hand and saying, excuse me, um, there's something wrong here. Um, are you telling me you couldn't find a qualified female speaker in this field? or it would be also politically very hard some states do it but very hard to have an outright hostile lgbtq foreign policy it's because these topics have been elevated discussed and have been um, well received in diplomatic circles and elevated in terms of their importance and we want to do the same with disability we want political ambassadors to ask those same critical questions and to say you know little things is my embassy accessible um are my events accessible um, what is actually being done in the disability field in my country? You know, mm -hmm. often in, in, for, for some ambassadors we work with, they don't regard themselves as innovators in this space. And we tell them, well, actually, uh, quite on the contrary, uh, you have very exciting um, innovations, which you should be very proud of. 
which you should also in, in your own interest, you know, diplomacy is at the end of the day about interests, elevate and bring to the world and to say great things are happening in Kenya, great things are happening in Israel, great things are happening in Chile, great things are happening in Spain. And these are all coincidentally also members of the Zero Project Ambassador Circle. But it's really to bring together a collective which commits itself to help us find new partners and stakeholders. So to spread the word of the Zero Project, which is everyone is welcome, nominate your work, bring it to our attention. And at the same time, also to elevate the importance of disability inclusion amongst peers and colleagues, for it to become a common discussion. And the more we do that, the more we will then have, you know, just these things which we now consider natural when it comes to event management, uh, you know, be it through the gender lens or through the LGBTQ lens, it to be the same through the accessibility lens and the disability lens to say, are there captions? Can everyone reach us? Um, you know, are we doing audio description? Are we taking other measures in order for everyone to feel welcome um, at our events and for everyone to also comprehend what we're communicating? So also this idea of easy language and I could go on and on, um, but at the end of the day, the Zero Project Ambassador Circle is, is that diplomatic collective centered around disability inclusion, which we're very proud of, which we are looking to grow, and which we hope also, um, you know, becomes a model that any others want to uh, replicate. And because at the end of the day, you know, we don't have an IP on this. Someone says, hey, this is fantastic. I'm going to copy what you're doing um, in Latin America or elsewhere. Please, by all means, that would be for us, I think, the biggest um, compliment we could get. To, to dovetail into that question and, and, and to bring our, uh, our amazing uh, interview that I was excited about, and you did not disappoint, to say the least. Um, here we are, two, I'll say, middle-aged Billy Joel fans. Where would you like to see where we are in 10 years? I think, and not everyone might agree with this. I know it, there, there are different avenues and thoughts on this, but um, I, I keep thinking about this idea that, especially in the business space, when we want to make the argument on disability inclusion, um, it always comes back to the data. Show me the data. What is the return on investment? Why should I do this? I, if again, if it were up to me, I think in 10 years from now, we would be in a situation where it's just simply intuitive to be disability inclusive and to be inclusive, period. It is simply not, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to justify my work. Persons with disabilities don't have to justify the existence. They simply exist, disability is normal, and the systems and the frameworks and the environments they work in are inclusive. I don't have to sell it to you. You simply understand it as the right thing to do. And to make an exaggerated point, but I think it's a point nevertheless, I don't have to explain to you, Jamie, why murder, theft, and genocide is wrong. You simply know it's wrong. You know, why would you ask for, where's the data? You know, sell to me why, why, why genocide is, is abhorrent. It's just simply wrong. You don't do it. It's inhumane. And then it's in the same way that excluding persons with disabilities, um, questioning their existence, questioning their needs is also inhumane. So, um, you know, this maybe goes more on a, on a theoretical level, but I really want to get to that level. And I think education plays an, an extremely important role where it's just intuitive. It's understood as given and I think the children which grow up in inclusive classrooms who then, let's say, go on to become product managers, 
are going to be the biggest advocates of universal design without even knowing it, because they're simply going to ask, does this work for everyone? Be it software, be it a piece of hardware, or be it a kitchen item. Can anyone pick up this piece of cutlery and use it? If not, why not? No, that's stupid. Why would you not design it in a way that everyone can use? And it's this intuitive aspect, which I really hope we, we, we are able to achieve in a decade um, from now, if, you know, to answer your question, but it's really to get to the point that we don't have to justify ourselves for work and our existence, but simply it's understood as natural and as a given. Robin, my friend, my mentor, uh, one who I've learned a tremendous amount and enjoy spending time with, I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, it is uh, unfortunately a brief podcast. I could go on for hours with you, as I've said to you before, and I truly enjoyed our, uh, spending our time to, together with you. And I'm so looking forward to sharing this with our audience. Thank you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Thank you, Jamie. All the best. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accessibility Accelerator, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on all socials and join us in our effort to make the world more accessible and inclusive for all.